All right, hello and welcome to another episode of Contramundum. This is our very first live episode ever. Uh, and so I uh, have here with us, uh, not CJ Engel, but uh, Matthew Pearson is here joining us. CJ, you look different. Uh, but how, how are you, Matthew? I'm good, man. Uh, I wish CJ could have been here. I'd love to have uh, been able to finally uh, talk to him, uh, you know, not in person, but, you know, not over DMs and group chats and things like that. But it's a pleasure to be here. I'm, I'm glad you... Uh, invited me to come on thank you yeah cj i think is apparently like touring a vineyard in california somewhere with his with his uh, in-laws is is what he told me i mean it's probably a cover story for whatever operations he's doing right now but uh hmm. uh but yeah today we are going to discuss um the christianity and kinism video by um owen strayan and so <laughs> let's uh, let's just kick this thing off. I haven't watched it. Matthew has watched it. So uh, my my yeah, reaction. Yeah, be... I'm not going to I'm not going to be super surprised by what will be said. I want yeah. to, uh, to get a, well, to get a little gander beforehand. Yeah, I'm not going to be super surprised either. And I haven't watched it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's roll yeah. here and see and see what happens. While he was still speaking to the people. Behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. Jesus. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. I'm going to have to change the playback speed to uh, like two father and a half God, times or something. Word, talk slow. That are serious yeah. matters. In this session, I ask your blessing upon the preaching of your word, and I ask your blessing upon the hearing of your word. I am nothing. Christ is everything. Bless your church. Protect your church. Much better. In Jesus' name, mm -hmm. amen. Who is our family? What do Christians seek on this earth? In recent days, we've witnessed the rise of what is called Christian nationalism. It's not. Yeah, let's go. Not hard to see why there it has picked up steam. Here are seven reasons why. First, the real weakness of the gospel-centered movement created a vacuum. The late stages of the gospel-centered movement did not go well, tragically. A movement that influenced so many of us in profound ways, for which we're still grateful, me included. Those later stages of the gospel-centered movement led by a number of key organizations known to many of you. Perhaps they shaped you as they shaped me. Those late stages did not go well. And there was not enduring faithfulness on a number of tough issues confronting the church, sadly. Secondly, does he get into why it fails, Matthew? Uh, or does he just like gloss over this? He's just... Like, uh, the, does he get into why what fails? I was trying to the gospel center right movement, now. like like uh, does he get into why it failed? You know, it's just like no, oh, it just I, randomly happened to fail. Oops. Uh, yeah, I don't think he went too much into it, or I, I don't remember at least. Okay, well, it's like it's interesting that he just like ah, there's this back big vacuum that uh, was there because the gospel center movement failed, and and then doesn't yeah. go back to it. Interesting. The Christian nationalism crowd, as we'll call it, at this point in general recognized rightly that you cannot play the negative world as if it is the neutral world, to use those terms from Aaron Wren. Third, in the face of unjust lockdowns and political shenanigans of all sorts, the bold response by some on the CN side, as I'll call it, drew much attention. And so there was major gain in market share that happened on the CN side, in part because many more mainstream reformed leaders, if we can say that term, didn't speak up in the last two to three years on a number of hot button issues. And a number of CN folks did. And they understandably gained market share, followers, for doing so boldly. And in some cases, righteously. Fourth, on this camp side, there is a plain spoken willingness to speak truth without affectation. And that is understandably attractive to the sheep. For example, we do despise blasphemy against God as Christians. We, we don't take that lightly. 
We don't want to be comfortable with that, whatever our specific political theology is. Fifth, folks who take on the CN name have a strong belief in God's design for men and women, and they boldly proclaim that and live that out. And even the recent discussion of head coverings and this sort of thing can be a helpful matter to think through. And it shows us genuinely that there is a real desire on the part of some in this movement to take the, the word of God very seriously and live it out however God calls us to live. And again, that is positive. That is commendable. Sixth, Christians have grown weary of our public theology being no public theology at all. Christians are sick and tired of that, and rightly so. If we truly have basically nothing to say to the public square, nothing at all, no witness, no prophetic stand, you really do have to wonder what we are in business for, given that our identity as the church is the witnessing people of Jesus Christ, a man killed because he witnessed, a man killed, murdered, crucified, because he dared to tell the truth in public. So if there is no public witness among some, expect where there is public witness for that group to get traction. Seventh, and finally, Christians are battling anxiety and despair and fear on an hourly basis these days. 2023 is rough going in many respects and common terms. And the optimism and downright good cheer of some on the CN side has been very appealing for people and one adherence. And again, rightly so. If reformed people are going to be grim and morose and downtrodden and legalistic, and then there are going to be other reformed people who are going to be joyful and full of good cheer and seemingly enjoying life on an hourly basis, which group would you think is going to prove attractive to people? There's a number of reasons why CN has had a real effect. But CN is not one thing. Christian nationalism is numerous things. It's funny that it falls to some of us who are not CN and have not been from the moment I heard of it two years ago to define it. People are constantly saying, well, what is CN? What would you say? And I say, it's not my movement. I don't really feel the need to have to define it. But as I tried to do a few years ago with wokeness, I'll try to give you some, some thoughts along those lines. I see three different streams of CN today. First, gospel-driven CN, which I would argue grounds itself in the death and resurrection of Christ and is often connected to post-mill eschatology. Its focus is gospel proclamation, and I would say that is a good focus. And we heard a representative of gospel-driven CN about 25 minutes ago, just so you know. This is a movement that deserves engagement. Do you know who that was? It is a, it is a serious movement. No, I thought at first it could have been voting. Sure. Then there's what I call voting. Christian has been okay with this CN, but I don't think voting in the public uh, square, and it's focused on government going lawful. It's more theonomic in flavor. Its focus is political engagement, though not uh, severed from the church, and promoting the law in public. And this, too, is a movement that deserves serious engagement and respect. A figure like a Greg Bonson, for example, would be associated with a form of this. And Greg Bonson was an absolute baller, to use a technical theological term. Then there's a third element of CN that has caught my attention and the attention of a good number of you. And it's called, in my handling, working with my colleague Jeff Moore, who you heard earlier, mono-ethnic CN. Mono-ethnic. One ethnicity. Or one race, I guess you could say, if you wanted to already be in problematic territory. Oh, no. I really wish he would have done this talk, like, after uh, the Israel-Hamas stuff is going on. And it's like, oh, we have to we have to support this ethno-stated <laughs> in the Middle East. God is calling hey, us to do it. A lot of the G3 guys are okay with uh, religious nationalism that is explicitly tied to an ethnicity. Just, yeah, just got to put that happens. out there just happens to be a certain one. Okay. This last yeah, form yeah. of CN has been represented at the book level in the most serious way among all the streams recently of Christian nationalism. The most extended case for CN to, to date is called the case for Christian nationalism. And it is written by a figure named Dr. Stephen Wolf. Wolf is clearly a deep thinker and he can be a gripping and persuasive writer. His text has been taken as more or less a mainstream book, albeit one with some spicy phrasing and unusual ideas. The book is endorsed so by Jerome Mazzoni and it's been promoted by Douglas Wilson and other respected figures. When one reads the entire book, though, one makes a rather shocking discovery. This book advances and is dependent on what can only be called a kinist vision. <laughs> yeah, so what? that's a lie uh, straight off the bat from him. What? 
Oh man, it is a kiddest book. Of course, of course, this is what he's gonna say. Yeah, of it's course. just he's very imprecise with his terms, and I. Uh, we were talking about this right before we start, we went live, Andrew, but I just, yeah. I do need to plug this. Uh, it's from the North American Anglican. Um, James Clark's essay, Kinisms and Kinism and Wolf's Case for Christian Nationalism. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that, that ahead, essay totally, it totally dismantles the claim that Wolf is a kinist because look, if you really want to, you can argue that like Wolf is a racist or something like that. You can make the argument. That's fine. Go ahead. Just quit calling him a kinist though. <laughs> Because it's very clear that's not what he is. Kinism is a particular ideology that Reconstructionist people hold to that Wolf does not uphold. So, I mean, and people have, from what I understand, people have explained this to 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 Strand countless times, but he just it just goes in and right out. So I, I don't know. I he's just, planted his flag on this, and he's not gonna back down, no matter how much. But it's just you know, so stupid. Otherwise. Like it's just, no. it's just wrong. Like I call no. it what it is. You could again argue, be, argue he's racist. Go ahead, I don't care. But just quit calling him Kenneth. <laughs> Either to Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's 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 listen to him elaborate on this uh, shocking point. Uh, very shocking. He's, he's very brave. That ideology that emphasizes the need to preserve as a moral duty a given ethnicity. The need to preserve as a moral duty a given ethnicity. That's kinism. That's his definition of kinism. So yeah. how how is his view of Israel not kinism, right? Um, I mean, Owen would be the first one to tell you his view of Romans 11 is that Israel has to be preserved because they have to be converted before Jesus comes back. And so they have to, they have to continually exist as an ethnic group. <laughs> it's like well so i guess owen strayed is a kinist according yeah, to his own a definition lot the, a lot of the time what it really comes down to is who are you a kinist for um you can be a kinist for <laughs> yeah. any type of group out there as long as they're as long as like the race isn't white and the ethnicity is not like a subset of white people that's yeah, that's just what yeah. it comes down to for the most yeah. part is yeah. you can be a kinist for certain groups just not others so I, I, you know and, and again that kind of that plays more into like the whole like anti-white narrative we see all the time basically yeah, yeah. that's just like the very air we breathe and even if like like i i don't really think that owen strand hates white people i think that i think some people will say that about him but i think that's false but like no i don't think it's it, either it's in the very air he breathes and you can tell he just kind of like he just adopts that like he's yeah he's just aping how he frames what's things. out there yeah yeah he's just he's just it, it's i mean it's it's like aping you know um you know white white people rapping you know it's the same <laughs> you just grab whatever's cool and hip right now right yeah hey, you, you've seen a uh, owen strand rap right yeah i saw it you know somebody somebody shared the uh the video of of him uh rapping inside of a um a dartboard uh, bro it's just it's just him speaking with a it's just him speaking with flow he can't i will tell you there is a white boy i know on christian twitter who can rap and that is super christian mario not owen strand just just need to point that out we should there. we should do a like an eight mile style like uh rap battle between owen strand and christian mario let's set that up <laughs> he won't debate steven but maybe maybe he'll rap off maybe he'll do a rap battle. that's a good point yeah yeah All right, let's, 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 yeah, let's often continue. avoiding inter-ethnic marriage this push is often consonant with a call for the preservation of a communal or national identity based on that ethnicity. Kinism has long played on the fringes of both the left and the right. In fact, in recent years, we have seen the rise of a real and poisonous form of partialist mono-ethnic thinking. Where did, does he elaborate about it on the left? 
That seems no. He he doesn't. I'm trying to think of like maybe where kinism would be on the. I think what he just means is kinism is racism, and racism the left is the real racist. Maybe something like that. Yeah, probably. Pop up on the left through wokeness, a real foe, a terrible ideology that has taken everything we've had to fight off, and we're still fighting and will be for some time, even as wokeness continues to creep into our social, political, and cultural life. But now we are seeing the very same partialism crop up on the right among conservatives and Christians. In this session, I want to seek to accomplish just two aims with you this afternoon. First, track the essential argument made by Wolf, the most influential mono-ethnic theorist of the CN crowd. And as I say today, the one who has produced the... The most influential mono-ethnic... I mean, he just keeps running with this. And it's like... <laughs> <laughs> what? I mean, just the way he's Come framed... On, it's, again, a lot of what polemics come down to is framing. And you can see where where he's coming from with how he frames all this yeah this is this is wild this is just this is so silly the most serious intellectual text for the movement and then secondly i want to offer a robust seven-part response in rapid fire form to kinism i hope it's rapid fire it's taking forever he wraps it so first what is wolf's essential argument in the case for christian nationalism my goal in what follows is to be scrupulously fair that is my aim you've already heard me attempt to separate out I'm gonna be fair. I just called him a kidist, and I can't even define what that is. Yeah, when he's I'm gonna be fair. I, <laughs> I'm gonna be fair. Is, can I can I give a little spoiler? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's he's not fair at all. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's all. That's all you need to know. He's very unfair. He does not. Re- <sighs> he won't even. He won't even debate him. Right, uh, you won't debate him. So, like, why would we expect he, to be fair? He doesn't have know? a duty to debate him. Okay, he uh, didn't have a yeah. duty to debate any of the woke people. He doesn't have. He doesn't know yeah. wolf anything. Come on, yeah, that, could, that's what I he says at least. Give a talk, this big talk, and trash him, and call him a kidist, and all this kind of stuff. And I, I can't, I can't defend what I think though because reasons. Uh, yeah. Unbelievable. All right. Well, mm-hmm. let's let him Different give his of Christian nationalism. I trust you already picking up that I am laboring toward that end, toward fairness, whether you agree with me in full or whether you disagree with me uh, in full or even on some different matters. My goal is to be fair, but also clear. The argument made today by Wolf and others is that we need to embrace Christian nationalism. The argument made along these lines is a bold and startling one in his book. While we should be Christian, he writes on page 11, nevertheless, the gospel does not supersede, abrogate, eliminate, or fundamentally alter generic nationalism. It assumes and completes it. This contention and quotation from Stephen Wolf takes us aback. The gospel does not fundamentally alter generic nationalism. This already is a strange conception of the gospel because the gospel of Jesus Christ is an altering gospel or it is no gospel at all, brothers and sisters. We do not join systems in wholesale terms or in pieces to the gospel. You have to think systemically or systematically. That's a fancy term. It happens to be my title of theology at Grace Bible Theological Seminary, professor of systematic theology. And people get a little bit concerned about that big clunky title, but really you don't just think about theology from the scripture systematically. You have to think about systems throughout your life, throughout all the world, all culture. (laughs) The gospel informs and transforms how we engage systems. For example, I may be politically conservative. I have been politically conservative for as long as I can remember breathing. I was the vice chair of the college Republicans at Bowdoin College in Brunswick, Maine in 2002 or three. I'm very excited to announce that title to you. I will then follow that up by telling you there were four of us in the college Republicans. So we all got an office. It's one of those exciting realities where everybody gets an office. It's like Oprah out there. Everyone gets a title. I got vice president and I wear it proudly. So I am to this day dyed in the wool conservative. And that is a good word, by the way, conservative, not a bad one. But I would always take pains to tell you that the gospel is a good good covet and even transforms my conservatism. (laughs) 
I am not a conservative like a godless person is a conservative. And there are, by the way, lots of people who are not Christians who are politically conservative. In a common grace sense, I'm thankful for them, but I am not the same as them. And even though we overlap in our views on a lot of things, yes, I do not have the same system they have. Why? Because the gospel supersedes and alters every part of who I am. The gospel has not come to me and gotten the 20% of me that is spiritual saved and left the remaining 80% untouched. The gospel has saved me to the full. And the gospel has Can saved you pause real quick. to the full. And yeah. there's no part of yourself. Your yeah, mind, yeah, yeah. Your yeah. <clears throat> part of my problem with like, see, when you, if you're like just a guy who's not very really tuned into these conversations and you hear him say, oh, the gospel doesn't alter generic nationalism, what you would assume is like, what he's basically saying is that Wolf is saying, oh, yeah. The gospel, like Christianity, has zero impact on nationalism. He's not saying Which that. Which is, the, yeah. it's called yeah. the case for Christian nationalism. Yeah. Which means he very clearly <laughs> does think it, it's not grace doesn't destroy nature and grace just walks away. No, grace perfects, restores, yeah. elevates yeah. nature. So the gospel clearly has an impact. What he's saying is that grace doesn't like destroy generic nationalism because there are certain natural affections that you have and then when you take those natural affections and you expand it onto the nation the family writ large that is going to imply how you run a nation which will result yeah. in maybe nationalism and so he's not, what he's saying is that the gospel does not come in and fundamentally destroy that distinction the gospel does not destroy your obligation towards preferring your own towards preferring your nation that's not what it does basically in the same way like if I say if I say something like the gospel does not like um alter male and female relationships, I was just going to go there. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm not saying that. I, I'm not saying that there's not going to be any impact on how a husband treats his wife and he becomes a yeah. Christian because yeah. arguably he is going to treat her differently. Arguably he should treat her better. What I'm saying is that. When I say there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither male nor female, I'm not saying we're all non-binary and therefore there's yes. neither male nor female because of the gospel. <laughs> That's the same thing that Wolf yeah. is arguing with nationalism. So yeah. Strand fundamentally misunderstands or is misrepresenting uh, Wolf's point on that. Yeah, I, I, it, it could go either way. I'm not going to speculate whether he doesn't get it or whether he's just a liar. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but it, 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 one of those is the case. And, and it's like, that. that's just the thing. It's like, he he takes this quote and he's um he's taking it out of context clearly and mm -hmm. that's not that's not the argument Stephen is making at all and if he would debate him and interact with the actual <laughs> argument then uh then maybe he wouldn't be beating up this straw man you know we titled this uh Owen Strayan's Kinnis straw man mm -hmm. royal rumble and that's that's what he's doing it's like he's he's setting up this thing that Stephen doesn't believe at all and is tearing yeah. it down for this audience. So you can hear these, you know, people like hooting and hollering, like, yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. no one is saying like, this. No one anywhere is saying those, this at all. If you've been to like those conferences and you know those type of people that are in the audience, which like I've been to like, like uh, I've been a Ligonier, a two Ligonier conferences. I, I've known like church elders who are just like the people in this audience. They're not super tuned into social media and all that. And I was thinking if I came to this and I heard Owen talking about this and I hadn't read Stephen at all. And I heard like this quote, like not knowing Stephen, I'd be like, yeah, yeah that is pretty bad. That is pretty, that's yeah. Get him, Owen, you know, but like, he's yeah, not yeah, actually. Yeah. So when he says in the beginning that he's going to try to represent Stephen's points, well, He's like, already failed. Clearly failing. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's sad to see. And again, I don't want to say he's being malicious, but he really is. If he if he's not being a malicious, he's very, very obtuse. That that's yeah. what I'll say on that. Yeah, correct. Uh correct. I yeah. mean, it's either it's 
And I don't know which one is more charitable. <laughs> he's like really stupid or he's evil. So let's. Uh, let's I don't want to say he's evil. You can hold back from the gospel yeah. and say gospel does not alter this. If it is the true gospel, it changes you to the uttermost. Such were some of you. Paul said to the Corinthians, we have a such were some of you. Gospel. Could you imagine if I that had this at and one, from yeah, one speed instead of two speed today, here? Including political theology, but this is the You're conviction right. of convictions. Why? Because this is God's gospel. It is not our gospel. And when God saves us, as Steve Lawson has said, in his Lawsonian way, yes, that is a term. God does not execute a makeover. He executes a divine takeover. Nationalism as a system is predicated historically on the concept that a nation depends in general terms on a given ethnicity. That is what distinguishes it historically from, for example, patriotism. I am a avowed patriot. I continue to love this country, staggering as it is. Nationalism, though, is different from patriotism because it usually advances the idea that it depends on a given ethnicity or two at most. Along these lines, Wolf tells us early in his book, page 25, much good would result in the world, he writes, if we all preferred our own and minded our own business, end quote. Wolf repeats his idea that the gospel does not alter systems later on. Since grace restores nature, he writes, and natural law contains all the moral principles concerning social relations, the gospel does not alter the priority and inequality of loves amongst those relations. I repeat, the gospel does not alter our loves among relations, page 101. Oh, you gotta be yeah. kidding me. Like, That's this is what he's doing? Like, I mean, oh. God. Yeah, the gospel doesn't alter your love for your parents that you have. And he opened with, you know, the uh, the text with uh, Jesus saying, no, my mother and my brother, you know, these are, are my mother and my brother. And, and like, it's such a disingenuous argument, right? Yeah. He's, you you still have a duty to honor your parents and love them and your honor and love your children, right? And even when you become a Christian, like that doesn't change. That's not altered. The, the manner in which it's done is what's changed, not... You know, not the fundamental duty, which is Stephen's entire argument. Yeah. Right there. That's and it. Like, you see what he's doing, too, the way he's fr- – again, it all comes down to framing as well. He's trying to make it as if, like, when he's saying we all prefer our own, like, not adding any further context. He's almost yeah. trying to make it, like – he's trying to, like, up the Kinnis accusation and all that. It's almost, like, seeming like, oh, when he says you should prefer your own, that means that some random, like, I don't know, some random guy from Greece – because Greece is in Europe and Europe is made up of white people. I have a stronger duty to him than like my black neighbor or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's it's that like, yeah. You know, like and it's, that's obviously not what Wolf is arguing oh. at all. And, and I, again, like the gospel does not fundamentally alter your like order of loves because again, say that, you know, my parents are both Christians cause I'm blessed with that. But even if my parents weren't Christians, I, I will still have a stronger affection for my parents over against like just some random Christian who I don't know. Now we both still share the ultimate highest end, the highest mm-hmm. eternal end, which is in the long term more significance than the relationship with my parents. That is true. The gospel does introduce that new type of paradigm, but on like a civic level and on a relational level in regard to the home, like, that the gospel absolutely doesn't change that. I still have a further obligation to my parents than like some random guy who may happen to be regenerate. Exactly. All right. Well, I'm trying to get this loaded here. All right. Let's uh, let's continue on. Uh, sludge through this even further. In a book filled with huge statements, often ungrounded, that is a staggering claim. As we shall see, the gospel definitely and unavoidably transforms who we love and how we love. It absolutely changes the priority, the framework, the structure of our loves. 
Wolf's vision of unaltered love fits with his handling of national identity. Quote, I use the terms ethnicity and nation almost synonymously, though I use the former to emphasize the particular features that distinguish one people group from another. Nation is used to emphasize the unity of the whole, though no nation, he writes, properly speaking, is composed of two or more ethnicities. Page 135. So there it is. Nationalism advances this idea that a, a nation needs to be composed of two or less ethnicities. That's apparently the rule that he has handed down for us, that the nationalists have handed down for us. This, in fact, is not merely a pragmatic matter, though. This is, in fact, according to him, the most pleasant way to live. Quote, think of the people with whom you feel at ease, conducting your daily life, with whom you share similar expectations of conduct, aesthetic judgments, and recreational activities, and with those you can join in a common life that achieves the highest ends of man, page 136. So, according to Wolf, the life that achieves the highest ideals of man is a mono-ethnic life at least much of the time, usually. Wolf leaves room for some interaction between different ethnicities. He says this later on. People of, def uh, of different, excuse me, ethnic groups can exercise respect for difference, conduct some routine business with each other. I guess you can buy soda from somebody of a different ethnicity. They can join in inter-ethnic alliances for mutual good and exercise common humanity. But they cannot have a life together that goes beyond mutual alliance, end quotation. That is a very important sentence as well. They cannot have a life together that goes beyond mutual alliance. In fact, he goes on to say this, much good would result in the world if we all preferred our own. He says it at multiple places. He gives a repeated rationale for this. I've already alluded to it. He says, quote, dissimilar people together can achieve the basic goods of humanity, but not the complete good. So this is clear and unmistakable as a system. In his book, Wolf leaves some hard to understand room for inter-ethnic marriage, but he also is quite clear that the formation of a Christian nation, which again is his goal, that is his stated goal, relies upon kin marriage, as Blake Callens has pointed out. He writes that blood ties are crucial. <laughs> no, <that's> <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course. I forgot that was in there. That actually uh, car. Yeah, he, he I guess he quotes Blake Callens. Oh, oh, man. Alleged federal informant, Blake Callens. You know he's watching this, uh, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was one of the one of the few people here that, that's he's going to, uh, He's going to clip something one of us says. Uh, yeah, I know. Way. I haven't. I haven't. So. You know, probably you say, go ahead and call Steve. <laughs> that's oh what's yeah, gonna make, that's what's going to make the yeah. the hit list here. Well, uh, now, me because it's, it's, it's just it's so disingenuous. Like, I mean, just even even the idea of like defining a nation, right? Um, <laughs> alleged. <laughs> just my lawyer said I had to say it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but he, uh, um, like he, how do you define nation? Right. In, in any sense. And how, how, have, how have human beings lived throughout all of time, right, is is amongst nations. And you, hey, you can have, yeah. you know, various multi-ethnic societies, um, but even even within them, there's still ethnic solidarity among the various ethnic groups in them. Um, and they're held together by a central yeah. empire. Uh, but but there's still ethnic affinity um, you know, baked into the cake. And, and that's just that's a fact of life. And. I mean, you see it like where I am here in Minnesota, uh, you, we have all sorts of different ethnic groups. Uh, we have Somalis and Hmong are the two, the two big, uh, non-white ones, uh, the two big foreign ones. And they all, you know, stick together, prefer their own, live in communities, uh, together. And like, nobody's like, oh, that's bad. We really need to, you know, kind of mix them up and mix them in. Like nobody, nobody's well, what saying about that. the gospel. Uh, about yeah, the gospel? yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That. Oh, I know. And, and it's like, I, I don't know, like, what is what is exactly Owen exactly arguing for? Like, like, um, you know, economic, uh, you know, economic zone America is that what he wants? And is something something that I do find very interesting about Owen is Owen and like the crowd that he generally runs in. They're very biblicist. Uh, whereas, yeah. like, you know, if it's not in the Bible, 
yeah, chapter verse immediately. But what's really funny is when you look at the New Testament, you read like Matthew 28, 19, where Jesus says, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. What's the Greek word for nations? Yeah, you, ethnos. Yeah, ethnos. It's ethnos, ethne. Yeah. Yeah, ethnic. I wonder yeah. where you get yeah. that word from. It's almost like if you want to be a biblicist and you want to define nations in biblicist terms, your word for nation is literally ethnic. So why is you, why is Owen yeah. assuming a modernist understanding of nation? Like why is he taking fault with Wolf? Like um, kind of using nation and ethnicity interchangeably. I thought that Owen yeah. was a very a very biblical guy. I thought he was very biblicist. Uh, I, don't yeah. know, I just found that interesting. I just thought of that now. That um, no, yeah. no, it is. I mean, yeah. I, you're absolutely right. It's like you need to have the classical definition of what a nation is. And what, how would, you know, how would Aristotle define a nation or how would, how would the Greeks define nations? It's, it's obvious. Like we, we, we know that the same way that, that Stephen does. And so it's so, uh, it, it is, it, it's, it's this Martin Bailey, right. That he's pulling off. And it, I think Aristotle does define a nation. Uh, he says that like it's uh, defined by its laws, but he also yeah, is yeah, like, yeah. Uh, very, he's also very focused on the particular peoples and he, he wants yeah. like with, he doesn't want people to have citizenship until like second or third generation uh, because of that. So yeah, wow, that's what a what a radical concept. Uh, all right, let's yeah. let's keep, let him keep going. A community of blood is essential to ethnicity on pages one thirty nine and one forty. He sharpens the point later on in the text. Culturally distinct groups of Christians could have. Wait, can you go back a little bit? Yeah, let's back up. Uh... <laughs> The formation of a Christian nation, which again is his goal, that is his stated goal, relies upon kin marriage, as Blake Collins has pointed out. He writes that blood <laughs> ties are crucial to ethnogenesis. A community of blood is essential to ethnicity on pages 139 and 140. He How does he think nations are formed? <laughs> like Families yeah. and tribes have kids and they're all related. <laughs> like, but where did they come that. from? You know, like, come on, yeah. man. First off, like, that's not that insane. But second off, Stephen, like, went to great lengths to basically say... When it comes to ethnicity in any meaningful sense, when modern peoples, especially white people, when they think of ethnicity, they're like, oh, I am Italian, I'm French, yeah, I'm German yeah. or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But they don't actually have any of that culture. So it's kind of meaningless. Like you can't just take a DNA test and that's your total ethnicity. Listen, I'm, I'm learning, I'm learning like, German on Duolingo. So I'm, I'm, I'm coming back to the fatherland. You might be proving uh, Wolf's thesis wrong. Sorry. But like, uh, you, you know, when, he goes to great lengths to basically say, no, it's about intergenerational ties to people and place and interacting one kin, interacting with other kin, and over time intermarrying with that kin and becoming one people and, and assimilating into the same culture and things like that. It's a very organic process that is not strictly yeah. relegated to blood. And so, but there is a part in Wolf's book where Wolf basically says, um, blood remains like remain relevant to nations. Um, but the ties of blood do not directly establish the boundaries of one ethnicity. Rather, one has yeah. ethnic ties of affection because one's kin conducted life with other kin in the same place. So he'll talk about how Wolf says, oh, yeah, blood is actually kind of important. Oh, shocker. Who would have known? But then Wolf goes on to say right after that, but the ties of blood do not directly establish the boundaries of one ethnicity. Rather, it's ethnic ties of one kin with the other kin, uh, leading yeah. to intermarriage over time, leading to assimilation, leading to one host ethne. 
in, in a place. Like, it, yeah. I don't see why he's not giving the full picture here. Like, again, yeah. is he being dense or is he deceptive? What is going on here? Well, I yeah, I always use this example of like, okay, if if I moved my family, if like the Japanese decided to let us in and we moved our family to Japan, like it would take like maybe ten generations before we're you know, consider Japanese. Oh yeah. But it would, it, how would it happen? It would be because it'd be because my kids and my grandkids and my great grandkids and my great, 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 great grandkids all married Japanese people. And then over yeah. time you eventually become assimilated in, into, into that people. And it's like, that's, that's the normal process of how it works. Yeah, like that's absolutely. how ethnogenesis works. Right. And so what is he like, what is he arguing against that? No, we just all have to be totally random. You know, we're just random individuals spread out over the entire planet, yeah. 8 billion people. And, and, uh, <laughs> there are no, you know, I, 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 maybe I'll marry a woman from Gambia randomly, you know, like I, whatever, you know, that, that was that his argument? You know, like, I don't, I don't, I don't get what yeah. he's saying. The alternative is, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I don't get it either. And again, it, the framing, he's like trying to paint Wolf as like a hard racialist, like strict racialist with like yeah, the yeah. blood and soil kind of, Ooh, you know, like saying the that blood, kind of the blood. When, yeah. when again, he says it's not everything, but yeah, it's, it's yeah. silly. It's stupid. Yeah, let's go on. Maybe there'll be more. Right, let's go. Uh, shout out. Sharpens the point later on in the text. Culturally distinct groups of Christians could, of course, start their own churches, and this would solve one problem. But it remains the case that cultural diversity harms civil unity, for it undermines the ability for a community to act with unity for its good. I will repeat that. True. Ways. Again, cultural diversity harms civil unity. Can you pause? Amen. That's just correct. True. Johannes <laughs> yes. Althusius, I don't have the citation on me, but he says that exact same thing. That's like a, that's like part and parcel of reformed political tradition, is that yeah. diverse, like in that regard. So I, I don't yeah. see how that's problematic. It's just when he's assuming the modernist like understandings of a diversity. Diversity is our strength. Diversity it, is our yeah. strength. Yeah, it's like that, that's on, in man. the tradition though. That's not original to Wolf being like no. an evil racist. That's he got Wolf got that from Althusius probably and yeah. probably sorry experience too. Sorry, Althusius, you are excommunicated. Uh, you're not allowed to believe that. Uh, yeah. Strand would excommunicate you. The post-war consensus says no, that's a sin uh, to believe yeah. that diversity is not our strength, and it's <laughs> and it's like, well, I mean, come on, like that's that's the and, and it's obvious the reason why. I mean, this go, this goes back to the ancient philosophers, even like they everybody has always talked about this stuff, and this is, I mean, this is the reason why the Roman Empire would settle random people in different places is to make, and, and all empires throughout time. I mean, the, the Persians, the Babylonians, all of this, like, why did they take the exiles from Israel out of there and in, into Babylon, right? Why, why do those things happen? It's because it makes people easier to rule because there's conflict, right? That's, yeah. that's what happens. That's why you do it. Uh, Cause you can play groups off each other. And, and it's like, how do you, how do you, how do you not see this? How do you not understand? Like, I mean, look at it right now. I mean, it, it's, it's um, somewhat uh, uh, serendipitous that this came out right after, um, the Israeli, you know, Hamas, uh, Palestinian, you know, conflict, because here we have, we have diversity as our strength in America. And now we have random groups of like Palestinians and Muslims marching in the streets for Hamas. Oh, yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, it's our strength. Isn't it? Isn't this great? Isn't diversity uh, so wonderful? Isn't cultural diversity grand? Uh, yeah. Come on. Uh, give me a break. Yeah. I, I, I'm not, I won't make any comments but on it is that. Not society that should not feature diverse mixing. <laughs> we won't go down that road. Social media, Wolf avowed that inter-ethnic marriage was relatively sinful. He later kind of sort of took that back on a podcast. He didn't write anything about it that I was able to see at length. 
But others who have supported Wolf have made similar arguments, and Wolf's own book calls for blood ties that are crucial to ethnogenesis. So his point basically stands. Whether he would call it sinful or not, I do not know. It is certainly the case that it is not ideal to have different ethnicities mixing at will. When I pushed back against kinism about a month ago, I was told... <laughs> yeah, just have, just have, you know, hundreds of millions of random people all assorted together. Like, that's that's what you should have. That's that's the ideal. Like, that's that's the argument he's making. I mean, at least yeah. an argument for silence. Like, oh, just, just have Economic Zone America, and it'll be great. See, and the problem with, like, Strand here is, like, like kind of what you just said, basically. Like, like, he's arguing that basically from silence. And the reason why you can say that is because he doesn't give an alternative. He does say, oh, I'm not for, like, totally open borders or whatever. He doesn't give a good reason why. Why aren't you for open borders? Why are you for closed borders? Why don't you yeah. want mass immigration? Do you want mass immigration? What, what would that benefit us? That means more opportunities yeah. for the gospel. Do you reject that? Are you okay with that? Do you want – like, he doesn't go into any of that at all. Um that that's the problem with a lot of these G3 guys is that and in just a lot of like people in general, like even like from like the more like a uh, Tweety-ish crowd, nobody gives like an alternative vision. None of them like yeah. actually say all they do is just sit sit and critique. They don't actually all give something like they don't give a good alternative. They don't say yeah. Wolf is wrong yeah. here, instead do this. They and this only, is what's right. Yeah. And that's like my problem is like sure you can have disagreements, but Give something different. That's what people want. We want like an alternative to the current system. Now we yeah. want something that's different. Wolf is offering that. He's giving good arguments and he's rooted and grounded in the reform tradition. So why don't you root and ground yourself there and give something better? Like yeah, not, they well, because they they can't. Well, one, there isn't like a tradition for what they are offering. Well, one they one they don't offer anything, any positive vision for anything. It's just uh, mm -hmm. the you know uh, the status quo is fine. And two, right, if they were going to make an argument about, you know, to, um, you know, to say that the status quo is fine, right, there is no tradition that they could draw upon to say that this is great, that exists after yeah. like 1945 or 1960. And so it's, it's all just the current way of doing things is good because we don't want to sound like any of those bad people. Um, that's, that's his argument in a nutshell. So let's, yeah. let's let him go on. Black women that the person in question knew didn't want black men marrying white women. And this was taken as just a kind of law of nature, principle of how things are. So it's not, in other words, just Stephen Wolf who was making this argument. His book is the most influential text in recent days to advance this argument, but others have as well. Andrew Torba, a month ago, argued to his 370,000 plus followers on Twitter that it is a, or X, that it is a good thing for people to preserve their ethnicity. On August 16, 2023, he wrote, God created different ethnic groups. To preserve them is to preserve God's creation and is therefore an inherent good. That is. Okay. <laughs> like, I don't, I still don't get what's wrong with that statement, you know, and I, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not under obligation to not disagree with it, but it's like, <laughs> I, I think that it's some like, people like, uh, what? I think some like, people take, that? some people take qualms with the idea that preservation of ethnicity is like an inherent good, because then they'll basically say that, oh, does that mean that if you marry a different ethnicity that that's an inherent evil and thus if it's yeah, inherently yeah, yeah. evil you're sinning and yeah, so that yeah, would yeah. be like a that's where people would uh, be concerned with i i have some qualms with the way that's phrased too but i'm not just gonna i'm not gonna it's, go out of my way to just it's like, not it's not a signal tour yeah yeah, yeah. it's not gonna, it's not phrased ask, in the most, like, yeah it's not phrased in the most precise in a way like steven would phrase things very delicately and precisely so as not to be misunderstood yeah. as as much good as it it does them and and so people will still misunderstand you willfully misunderstand what you say but it's like of course like wanting to preserve your nation 
is not a bad like I mean the whole the the whole argument that these guys make about Israel is they should exist. They have a right to exist. Well, does America have a right to exist? Right? Does the American ethnicity as a whole have a right to exist? Should we want to preserve it and keep it going? Is that yeah. is that bad to want that? Like that the motivation of making that statement is is that we should be allowed to preserve our nation and keep it going into posterity. Like the United States, the first line of the United States Constitution is that they're making the document for their posterity. <laughs> it's yeah. like, is that wrong? Is that wrong for them to want to have a posterity? You know, uh, it's like, it's, yeah. it's, it's so absurd. You know, like that's, that's, that's the crazy thing. Like these guys, they, they, like you, you enter into any discussion about ethnicity and they just, they lose their mind. Like they, they cannot have a sincere, genuine conversation about what any of these things mean. Uh, what is what's good, what's bad, all of that, and so let's see what else he has to say. They about actually, it. Oh, yeah. before you go forward, they don't yeah. actually get that uncomfortable talking about ethnicity if it's about any ethnicity that's yeah. not Western peoples. Yeah. If it's any other ethnicity, it's fine. It's if you're talking about Rwanda or something, yeah, yeah. Then, then it's, it's cool. good, yeah. and it's yeah. beautiful, and it reflects God's wonderful creativity. But because we are the universal people. It doesn't matter. That that's what it comes down right. to. And yeah. if you do care about that, you're a kinist, and you think that anything besides that is uh, <laughs> evil and a sin in God's eyes, and yeah, yeah, therefore yeah. you're a heretic or something like that. But that that's what it comes down to. Is that ultimately yeah. at the end of the day, these guys aren't ta- aren't ca- uncomfortable talking about ethnicity. They're uncomfortable talking about particular ethnicities. From that, that's one what it comes down to. Yeah, and one in yeah. particular. Yeah, their own. Um, so let's let's go on. Right. An argument. Is that landing for you at 2.23 on this afternoon with one session after another stacking up? That is a very consequential thing to say. To preserve different ethnic groups is an inherent good. What does that indicate? To not preserve them is an inherent what? Evil. Is an inherent evil. A rising force on social media affirms and champions these views. It's a shadowy world out there on social media, in case you haven't noticed, with all sorts of Anon accounts, as they are called. It's hard to say how influential this... (laughs) Anonymous troll demons are attacking! (laughs) I just thought of Jordan Peterson, too. (laughs) Not oh, a stroll demon in their mother's basement. Ah! <laughs> Dude, I just want to say every anon from Twitter that I've ever met in person has looked like a Chad. I, yeah, I need to put that out. Hundred percent. They're, they're all very stable people. Oftentimes, they're married and with children too. So yeah, married children, careers. Like yeah. yeah, yeah. They have mortgages. You know, they pay their taxes. <laughs> they're good people, and yeah. uh, and they're they're all in great physical shape. And. Uh, and they don't like that. Let's let's go on. Yeah. Is, but it clearly is influential today. We've seen this in Lutheran circles as well. The person named Corey Mahler has advanced one kinist argument after another and has gotten serious traction in some cases oh, for doing so Corey in Lutheran Mahler. circles. And again, the argument is that inter-ethnic marriage is problematic. A society of diverse ethnicities is not ideal. Christians should prefer their own kind, which typically means Christians who are white should prefer other white Christians. This has even gotten traction now in conservative circles where it's been argued very recently that Anglo-Saxons need as basically a moral duty to marry other Anglo-Saxons and have Anglo-Saxon families that perpetuate Anglo saxon doug wilson made that argument (laughs) (laughs) don't you remember the blog post where uh where he's like and if you really want to be uh spicy have white babies you remember that yes yes yeah i don't think he'd say that today (laughs) no no i I mean i don't think so yeah it's not gonna probably not but but still like the argument he made yeah here's again like what is like again we have to think through this what is wrong with Anglo-Saxon people wanting to marry another Anglo-Saxon 
and perpetuate yeah, Anglo-Saxon culture. Like the English tradition is rich. I mean, like it's the entire air that we breathe. We like, can't have another Shakespeare. Justice. No, can't do that. I think it was uh. Justice Scalia where this guy is a freaking, you look at him, he's Italian through and through. Yeah. He, he is so Italian, but he was saying how he He's, went to like um he was in Europe and all that, and these people like uh I forgot where in Europe he was, but they kept on referring to him as the Anglo because he was from America, and yeah, yeah, yeah. he was just like, look at this mug, I'm Italian. What are you talking about? <laughs> then he said he went to he went to England and he said I felt like I was at home because the very air we breathe is from English culture. It's English. It's Anglo-Saxon. So what is wrong? Again, what is wrong with Anglo's? wanting to perpetuate you know anglo culture that it literally i don't see anything wrong with that this this guy is ah, i found I a video know, you want me to play the antonin scalia uh youtube Dude, yeah, video? Uh, <laughs> no maybe yeah, later maybe good. later we got yeah, yeah. this one and we'll, we gotta keep going but uh yeah uh yeah you're, you're exactly right it's like uh what well, is owen married does he have a does he have a wife uh uh, I think so. If I were to guess, I think I saw a wedding ring on his finger. Is he? What you know? I, I mean, what what caused him to marry the? I mean, I assume she's probably white. You know, like what? Uh, maybe maybe he's. Uh, <laughs> what what caused him to prefer her over other people? You know, like uh, what's what's going on there, man? Like I mean, yeah, that's man. the thing. Like you you, that's just normal, right? It's not, and and no one. No one, except, you know, he, he reaches for Corey Mahler here. You know, he has to name drop Corey Mahler. Like, oh, he's a dangerous Lutheran guy. Uh, and, like, aside from, no one is saying, no, it's a sin to marry a, uh, a black person or a Hispanic person. Like, you can't do that. Uh, you want to know what's even funny, too, though? Is if you even if you even look at what Mahler says on it, which I, I, I don't agree with Mahler uh, by, by any stretch with everything he says. But if you even look at what he says about that, he he had like a little article or something where he said, oh, yeah, it's not a sin qua sin. So even the most radical racialist <laughs> people that you can find, even you can today, dig up. Yeah. we're still going to say, oh, yeah, it's not technically a sin. It's, just yeah, it's not really a sin. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. So I, I think that's even yeah, that's even funny that you get that with like a. Oh, yes. Yeah. Read from all. But it, as from what I know, the only people who do say that is actually sinful are. A legitimate kinis and then christian identity which there's only like eight christian identity people in the world yeah yeah yeah, yeah. They, they, they don't, i don't even know if they the only reason they say that is because they just don't think that non-whites are human so they <laughs> they're a whole yeah. other uh, crazy oh, crazy guys but yeah. yeah yeah i just saw a comment uh uh he's bruce ware's son-in-law i forgot that yeah so you know well yeah he uh uh, you, what what really? caused it? Is it just because you know she's a Reformed Baptist? I guess I don't know. Um, it's random, uh, but uh, <laughs> no, it's like <laughs> it's just so funny. Like how, this is just normally what happens. Like I didn't when I married my wife, I didn't like scour the earth and say I gotta find me a white woman, right? It's not that's not mm -hmm. that wasn't the um, you know calculus in my mind, right? When I'm doing it, it's that. Well, you know, that those are the only people around <laughs> in southern Minnesota at my university, you know, that we did there's just there there wasn't it the diversity was not our strength in our in our friend group, apparently. And uh it's it's like it's it's just so crazy. but that's what happens with everybody, you know, like that's that's the way it is. Like and nobody even thinks about it. It's not even a, a like something that is, is in your head is oh I gotta I gotta marry within my kin. I gotta do that, you know, but but you just end up doing it anyway, like because you you share, you know, things in common. You have a common culture. You have a common way of life. Um, 
And and so it's just it's just so comical that he he's going down this road and and he has to like take Steven. First he takes Steven out of context and and then sees that Steven talks about blood. Oh no, yeah. and now we're going down the interracial marriage road and now we're doing this. And it's like uh <laughs> this is gonna marry my wife because she was shorter than me. I'm five two. <laughs> <laughs> We, that's we good. Love our short kings. We love our kings. kings. Yes, that's right. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. Culture, much of this is driven by paranoia surrounding the Great Reset idea. All this to say, kinism is alive and well. The and Great Reset? Professedly Christian circles. And yeah, he, sa- he said that because he, like par- people are paranoid of the Great different. Reset. No, because people are paranoid about the Great Reset, so they're like reverting to you know all of these crazy ideas. I think is, is oh oh. I was thinking of I was thinking of something different. I was thinking about yeah. a different Great R. Oh I, yeah. This well. is clear and present danger to the church. Now we transition to our second section of this message: a biblical evaluation of kinism. I am going to give you a rapid-fire seven-part response to the unbiblical ideas I have just sketched. First, we are all one human race. We are one human race. We were made. One human race from the beginning. Every person is an image bearer. Satan hates this doctrine, but we love it. We stand for it. Man. Though the world does its worst against us for standing for it. Need to go to two. We are all love image it. bearers. Genesis one twenty six to twenty eight. The elderly person who can no longer care for themselves on their deathbed, fighting Alzheimer's, is an image bearer. The tiny baby, one month old in the womb, un- unable to feed its. Gotta go to the Imago Day, man. We're gonna pivot to the Imago Day now. Yeah. Uh, here we yeah. go. Yeah, this is just <laughs> that's that's the only card in the deck is uh the only club in the bag is the Imago Day. That's all we got. Yeah, one human again, race. He has like a he has like a very modern understanding of the Imago Day too, because yeah. I mean when you look at like the Reformed and the Lutherans as well, that and I believe the Roman Catholics, I may have to look at what Aquinas has to say, I guess, on it. But from my understanding, basically it's just that the Imago Day wasn't totally lost. But that it was, you know, it was fractured, it was corrupted, mm-hmm. and it was darkened. And so through regeneration, the image of God is being restored in us. And I believe he says something akin to like how we all bear God's image equally or, or something like that. I could be misrepresenting what he said. We'll get there later. But even that is like incorrect because as a Christian, you bet you actually, believe it or not, through your regeneration and through your sanctification, where throughout life you're continuously infused with grace and righteousness through um through uh, you know the word prayer the sacraments all these things you actually become like more and more of an image bearer you're being restored to your prelapsarian nature so that you can eventually be elevated to mm-hmm. like heavenly glory basically so uh even that again it's he's pulling the imago day typical yeah, yeah. He, he agrees with like the the prog evangelicals on the Imago Day. Like whenever they, <laughs> whenever they make it right, the Imago Day. That's why we need to have infinity immigration. Okay. Self for care for itself is an image bearer. Everyone of every skin color is equally an image bearer. If the world damns us for holding these truths, we will stand for them. Oh man, so stunning, so brave. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Part of the argument that is made by kinists is that. In the pre-fall world, everybody would have separated on their own and preferred their own. That is not. That's not an argument that that is like exclusive. To, I don't even know. If, I I don't even know Kinnis that's necessarily like make that argument or if it's exclusive. Oh, which to argument? That, that that the um that the Imago Day is um or or that that uh, that you know, pre-fall human beings would have would have spread out of the earth and set up nations and and had you know. Um, without Babel, without the fall, there would have been nations regardless. 
right? That's that's yeah. an argument that is isn't exclusive to you know Kinnis or or, or oh, people of that stripe. Not. It's it's a widespread argument, you know. It's it's an argument from the reform tradition. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, well, you you could still argue it's like slightly speculatory. Ultimately, what it's it's not meant to be like just. Well, of course, so it is. Yeah. I mean, like it. Ultimately, what it comes down to is it's trying to do, get at anthropology. It's trying to say what would man do by his anthropology that's pre-fallen, so that you can determine whether something is like an absolute good. Or is it just a relative good? Like, is it relatively good relative to the fall of man? You know, uh, so that's more of like what it's kind of getting at. So say that, like, I'm, you know, I know that Wolf thinks that there was animal death before the fall. Like, we would eat meat because yeah. he yeah. he cites Bob Inc. on that topic. But say yeah, that yeah. we disagreed with, say we disagreed with Wolf on that. You know, mm. that would mean that if I enjoy a steak, the steak is delicious and good. It's relatively good, but it's not like yeah. inherently good, like because it's only good like in accord with the fall. Yeah, and so yeah, basically yeah. we're trying to get at like would there have been ethnicities and like would have like how would that have worked basically from an anthropological perspective in a prelapsarian sense. So yeah, would you would you have a family, right? Yes, you would. You would have parents and you would still even even in an unfallen world, you would have a different affection for your parents, even even a world without sin. You had a different affection for your parents and for your wife and for your children and for your grandchildren and great grandchildren. Like that's not sinful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You would, you would, you would treat them differently because you have particular duties to them than you do a random person on the other side of the world, right? Yeah, that's, absolutely. That, it, regardless of of the of of sin entering the world or not, and so I don't. I don't get why that's controversial. <laughs> like, I mean, it just assumes like there's this like monoculture, and 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 you're going to. You're going to have a particular way of life, even in an unfallen world, um, than a different family would have, right? You're going to have my, my family right now in a fallen world is a different culture, a different family culture than other families do. And, you know, you know, multiply that process out over thousands of years and it's going to be, you know, refined into, into different things. Like there are things that I like and my kids like, and my dad likes that other people don't like. And yeah. is that is that wrong and bad? Well, of course not. You know, like mm -hmm. it's uh, it's 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 so it's so ridiculous. This is, let me let me highlight this comment. This is a good comment here. Um, can you see it? Uh, I can see it. Yeah, you can see some of uh, it. Uh, it doesn't fit all of it. At the end of the day, the rub is Owen made his name by appealing to classical liberal paradigms to fight wokeness in the church, and Wolf is threatening to usurp his status with a different paradigm. Uh, and that's Jacob. Honeycut. Uh, so, yeah. um, and I think I think he's absolutely right here. Uh, oh yeah, and he nails it absolutely. Yeah, that's that's the that's what's going on. Is and and, and I think it, not even just with Owen, but like the whole G three thing in general, the James Lindsay stuff, all of this is they're fighting wokeness. They're they're the ones standing firm against this woke terror. And here comes someone who is further to the right, and and offering an actual positive vision because their, their, uh -huh. their vision is, Oh, let's just return to the 1990s. You know, the world we had and, you know, let's re return to neutral world. And, yeah. and Steven's like, that's not going to happen. We, we need to have a, a positive vision for what a world looks like on the other mm -hmm. side of this. And, and it's much more appealing because you can't fight something with nothing. And so far they have and nothing. The thing too, with that is, is yeah, you've seen like some people like a, I believe like Kevin DeYoung and I know Presby Cass has said this as well. A few yeah. other people where they call like the Christian nationalists and people like uh, that, you know, have those affinities. They call them like the right wing woke. Now, why do they call us the right wing? woke? <laughs> well, the reason why yeah. is because yeah. the woke 
um, the reason why like the classical libs love fighting the woke is because the woke, they are very illiberal. They, they, they're not mm -hmm. liberal uh, at all by any means. Now we can of course yeah. call them libtards in a sense that they're on the yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever, yeah. but yeah. they're not at a, by any means in the liberal tradition. They're reacting against the liberal tradition. Yeah. So when you had, so that's like left-wing illiberalism. So when we react against liberalism as well, because we're not approaching or fighting wokeness within a liberal paradigm, they're automatically saying, oh, they're both illiberal, therefore right-wing woke. And it's just like, no, like it's just the only commonality we share is that we reject liberalism basically. Mm -hmm. But you know, that's not like you're trying to set up liberalism as like, this is the golden standard yeah. and paradigm that you are to adhere to basically. And it's just like, you know, it, it's, I think it's a lazy accusation when you say that we're just right-wing woke. It doesn't really advance a conversation anywhere. It's just like a smear. It's kind of like the. It's like saying, "Oh, you're racist." It's just like you know, yeah. you can make like a, a claim about crime and stuff like that, and someone will just be like, "You're racist." They're not going to counter. Really? They're not going to give an yeah. alternative thesis or reason why that's yeah. happening. They're just going to say, "You're racist." Shuts down the yeah. conversation. It's the yeah. same thing yeah. with like the. Oh, you're right-wing woke. Okay. And what if I own it? Yeah, I am yeah. right. -wing. Woke. Well, it's the same thing with with the argument about Christian nationalism, just like the the, the term or the phrase, it's, and it's like they they used it as a slur at first. It's like here are these Christians who want to take over the country, and it's like okay, <laughs> right? And so, you can't you can't true. use that term. You can't use that term. The left is using it. That's dangerous to adopt their terminology. And it's like, well, too late. I already did. Hey, Christian was a term of derision before. Yeah, yeah. So. I know. In yeah, principle, so. there's nothing wrong with the top adopting a term of derision. So I, yeah, I don't so know. stay woke. Uh. <laughs> in the pre-fall world, in the unfallen world, if Adam had not sinned, yes, people would have lived in distinct places and cultivated distinct culture. That's no bad or evil or problematic reality necessarily in an unfallen world. And yet, those people would not have been separated in a tribalistic or partial way. Tri not 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 the argument. Partial way. That's that. That's not the argument. The, the argument is not like. He's trying to conflate distinction with like bad division, basically. With partiality. If there is yeah. if there is distinction that necessitates wrong division, which is bad and partialist. Yeah, if I if I cheer for my son in, in in his you know pee wee football game, and I don't cheer for all the other kids in the same way, well, that's that's partiality. That's a result of the fall. Do you know in the yeah. pre-lapsarian state you would have cheered for all kids equally because equally Christ your yeah. love is um is extends to all of them because who is my mother and my brother but he who does the will of my father? That's right. So we're doing the will of our father, therefore your affection goes to all of them equally because we're all one in Christ. Yeah, I got to cheer Obviously. for all the kids and both teams. Uh, no one can win. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's so stupid. Like I know we laugh, every game, like, every football game in heaven ends in a tie. Uh, you have to realize, like, it, like it's okay to laugh. You have to realize how silly this is. There are yeah. decent arguments against the things we hold, but like this just is not it. It's no. silly. Like it's just no. it's not good. No, and, and that's the thing I always say. It's like I would love it if there would be someone who would you know provide some arguments that I can like sink my teeth into and, and go back and forth on and, and really think about and really challenge what I think. And it doesn't exist. There's nobody stepping up to the plate that has anything, anything yeah. to say other than this garbage. I mean, there, there's been like a few decent reviews of Wolf's book that have like, yeah. uh, you know, like this one guy was like trying to say that his political theory was like, I don't know. It grounded in some, but like, you know, there's decent critiques out there, yeah. but none of them are public though. And the thing is, is like every day ad nauseum, it's like, 
the same arguments over and over and over. And it's yeah. just like, yeah. I'm glad the conversation is being had. Like, I will say that I'm, I'd rather Christians be able to cultivate the political will to will for their own good and also to prioritize and love their own. I'm okay with that and to love their people yeah. in place, but I am kind yeah. of getting sick of it. Like this is yeah. just yeah. arguments yeah. are ad nauseum. And I'm just like, I wish I could tune out, but no, this I, I it's know it's not possible. Yeah, it, it is important. Yeah. And 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 yeah, let's let's let him keep going here. Yeah. Tribalism and partialism comes from the fall in Genesis three and then from Babel in Genesis eleven. It does not come from unfallen Eden. So the fundamental claim made by Wolf and others is wrong biblically and theologically. Don't fall prey to it. Don't cheer for your own kid. You gotta cheer for all the kids. God confused yeah. the speech of the peoples at Babel because of pride. It was judgment, and that has led to partialism as a form of judgment on humanity. Partiality is rooted in Babel, not Eden. More on this to come. Second, it is right for us to love our family and honor our ethnicity and nation. This is right. For example, in Romans 9, 1 to 8, Paul speaks of his kinsmen according to the flesh. In verse 3, Paul doesn't identify with them over other believers, but he does express real concern for them. It's thus good, we can say, to love our family, love our community, and even, I could say by extension, I think, love our country as a patriot. Not loving it without uh, thought, not loving it without uh, recognizing its real flaws and failings and terrible sins. Like a Unless it's the Israeli state. America has for it. But the Bible, I do not believe, teaches you to hate your country, hate your kinsmen, hate your community. It, in fact, teaches you to love your neighbor as yourself, yes? So, so that is not supposed to be a partial or prejudicial love. We should not prefer our ethnicity then, I would argue. But neither should we be prejudiced against our ethnicity. Ethnicity is not ultimate and cannot be ultimate. It is not bad for you to have the ethnicity that God gave you. You don't need to be ashamed of it. I would say you should not be ashamed of it. God providentially gave you your ethnicity. It's okay to be white. Oh, Australian. <laughs> and God, providentially gave you your skin color. So we are all different shades of melanin. We are one human race. We are not different races. Acts 17, 26, we are one human race. We do have different skin colors, but they're just different shadings, much as we try to divide along those lines. God has made us who we are and placed us where he has. We should seek the good of the city in which we live. Jeremiah 29, 7, the exiles in Babylon, in fact, were told just a few verses earlier to plant gardens. They were not called. <laughs> they were not called to head for the hills. They were not called to go and leave the, the blue state of... Oh, this is going to be dig at Joel Webbin. Yeah. Doing a dig at Joel Webbin. Yeah, this is an attack I mean, on Joel. Kind of a yeah. different, this is a different conversation. The idea of like staying in a blue state or fleeing is like that. I don't see how that's what? connected to Christian nationalism. Yeah, this is so idiotic. Them. It's Yeah, he's, he's just saying that to, to throw it it's out just there. just him like, being petty. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, continue to suffer in California, man. Yeah, why don't you – Why? Where, where does Owen live now? Is he still live in Vermont? Right, uh, we, uh, we should I'm have sure uh, eight, we should have eighty Robles on here. He lives in Vermont. <laughs> he's sticking <laughs> it out. Yeah, he's in. He's no. He's in. He's in uh, Missouri. He's in Kansas City. Like, come on. <laughs> it's very easy to say that. At least you know. At, at least the um, you know the act like actual California guys at like MacArthur's Church, like they're they're sticking it out there. You know, <laughs> like they if anybody can make that argument, they can. Not not a guy who's in Kansas City, Missouri, in a nice suburb. Uh, yeah. Babylon and start a new red one. They were called to plant gardens in Babylon and have sons and daughters and be a light. Imagine this, to be a light by the power of God in godless Babylon. That's the call of... And what did Jesus say when <laughs> when the Romans are about to destroy uh, Jerusalem? What are you supposed to do? Uh, Head for the hill, get out of there! Uh, yeah. Like, come on, man, this is so stupid. You, you could just use more biblical. And also notice how... I I don't want to go too hard on, but like, why is he being so breathy? Like, is he trying to like win over the affection of the boomers here? Like, in the, <laughs> just, just imagine, imagine, like, I, I don't know. There's something that kind of oh, hurts me a little bit. Conway, Maybe Arkansas. It's not even Kansas City. It's Conway, Arkansas. <laughs> this dude's in Arkansas, bro. Wow. He's in Arkansas. He's in, he's in Arkansas. That's hilarious. Oh, man.
God's people. It echoes through the ages. It fits the New Testament. It fits the New Covenant. It fits the missional mandate of the Great Commission. We don't avoid the hard places. We know they're hard places. We don't enter them or send hard places like Conway, Arkansas. A very difficult and dark place. No, I am from New England. I am from Maine. I am from where the people profess at the level of one percent. He doesn't live there though. I I live in Minnesota. Right. Uh, come talk to me, Owen. I live in Minnesota. You want to you want to hear what it's like? Come on, man. <laughs> he wore a mask in his car. <laughs> <laughs> We need confirmation <laughs> of this. Somebody yeah, I need vision. Let alone who shows up for church. Need visual Sunday confirmation. Morning, delicious Maine maple syrup with waffles or pancakes on Sunday morning at your leisure. You should. You know what you should do? You should eat the delicious Maine maple syrup, pure maple syrup first, and then go to church. Okay, just solve that for everyone. So I know what it is to live in a fallen place, and I don't take it lightly. But the New Testament does not say to you in any form I'm aware of, leave hard places. You have freedom as an individual Christian. He's not aware of Jesus saying that. Man, that's 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 too bad. That's... Um... Yeah, I he's, guess a, I'm a, he's better, a professor at a seminary, dude. I'm a better I'm business sure than he just is. got accredited. Oh. I'm pretty sure they just got accredited yeah. too. So he's an accredited seminary professor. So. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't hear Jesus say, "Yeah, head for the hills when it's going to get bad." Um, no, I guess not. But the church's missionaries, that is, are not inherently called when things get tough to leave. In fact, the Apostle Paul plants numerous churches in hard places. Does he not? He goes into the darkness. He goes into the teeth of Satan himself. And dares to proclaim Christ. He goes into synagogues that are taken over by the devil himself, the devil's own demons. Play in these places. And he dares to preach Christ. So you as a Christian have freedom to leave a state, just so I'm clear. There is nothing in the Bible that says you cannot leave a hard place, just to clarify. My point, though, is that we need Christians everywhere, including hard places. If your family is doing terribly what in a very hard place, it Christian may, Christian well, you should move. I know. I so I yeah. It's just a dig at Joel Levin. I am simply trying to say for yeah. the church broadly to say, yeah, it oh, is. yeah, we'll just turn our back. He doesn't name him either. That's the worst part. Yeah. No. It doesn't have any connection, though, to the topic. Like, it was yeah. very, in this world, like, yeah. Total nonsense. In our countries, immigration is a prudential matter. We should handle it prudentially. Go back a little bit. I want to hear the context of this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is getting on immigration now. Yeah, here we go. We have no such In this world, we stand for what is good and we resist what is evil. We don't have to embrace and we should not embrace unlimited immigration in our countries. Immigration is a prudential matter. We should handle it prudentially. So it is wrong for the left in America and throughout the West to try to radically alter different countries. That is not Why, no support for that in terms of massive overhaul of it. Yeah, give me a Bible verse, chapter and verse. Chapter and verse. Okay, the more immigrants come, the more people that we have an opportunity to share the gospel yeah. with, the more people who can come to church, the more people who can go to seminary, the more yeah. people we can send off to missions. Why, Owen? Can you yeah. can you give us reasons? Or why is gonna... why is it bad? And why can you have like this is a prudential issue, but like you know, choosing who you want to marry is I guess not a prudential issue. No, no, <laughs> no, apparently not. Uh, why? Owen? That's just what I want to ask. I just want to say why. Owen? Why? What's wrong with that? Why? Why shouldn't we have infinity immigration? Right, based on all the priors that you just elucidated. Why? I... Why shouldn't we have? You know, I I don't know. I this is this doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, this is very convoluted. Given population, globalism is a scourge. Nonetheless, we do need to stand, I would argue, for certain ideals today. I believe in religious liberty. I do not believe in the forceful suppression of blasphemers in the New Covenant era. I recognize that Caesar is supposed to have rendered to Caesar what is Caesar's. There is, in some form, a neutral space created by the Lord of the Church, Jesus Christ, who knows about his own divine authority, I assure you. Religious liberty is a tremendous... The okay. Lordship of Christ creates a neutral I in space? Not a dictatorship. What? I believe in free speech, not speech codes, whether totally... Pagan or Christian speech codes. I believe in the Constitution, much as its authority has definitely been weakened and maligned. I believe in the Constitution. If Peter could tell the church to honor the emperor despite all that Nero had wickedly done, I don't think we are beyond the bounds of our own republic, our own established authority. I believe in a multi-ethnic state, not a mono-ethnic one. And I believe in a multi-ethnic church as God builds it, not as we build it, not as the diversity experts say to build it in the DEI okay. industry. If he believes in a multi-ethnic state, why limit immigration? 
Yeah, that's, that's, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and yeah, and not... like, and also like, throughout the history of, of Christendom, right? You you cannot you cannot allow open blasphemy, right? You you can't, and there are and and it's in, implicit in in human civilization to punish blasphemy, right? Uh, like, no matter what, what do you what do you think um, the speech codes that exist, the woke speech code that exists today, is but a, bl- a punishment of blasphemy? Like it, oh, yeah. it exists everywhere. Right. It's it's yeah. it is part and parcel to human civilization existing is there. There are things you may not offend. Right. Um, and the idea, like, I believe in free speech and I don't want the state to punish religion. And it's like you, you have to have public order. He he said something really weird. And I uh, I I will give somebody money if they can find me like a pre-modern source on this, whether it's from the fathers or the medievals or the reformers. He said something like. Jesus's lordship establishes a neutral space. What? Yeah, let's back it up and find that. Yeah. Wait, wait. Like, I, I want how? Yeah. Play, yeah. 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 Let's find. I, I backed it up a little bit. Wickedly done. I don't think we are beyond the bounds of our own republic, our own established authority. I believe in a multi-ethnic state, not a mono-ethnic. Uh, it's back a little further. Speech yeah. codes, whether totally pagan or Christian speech codes. I believe in the Constitution, much as its authority has definitely been weakened. And back a little further. I believe in the Con- Caesars. There is, in some form, a neutral space created by the Lord of the Church, Jesus Christ, who knows about his own divine authority, I assure you. Religious there is, in some sense, a neutral space created space. by uh, the Lordship of, of Christ. Where? How does... No. Christ how? is king <laughs> over all things. Christ is king over the civil sphere. He's a king over the ecclesiastical yeah. sphere. There is no neutrality. And any Christ does not establish a neutral zone at all. Yeah. Christ is yeah. the monarch of all of creation. He rules and reigns over everything. Anything that has authority is only deriving its own authority from the lordship of Christ over all yeah. things. That yeah. is... That is, I can't say that word. That's stupid. That is very, very, very dumb. And I will give somebody money to find me a quote from a church father, a medieval, a reformer, saying that Christ establishes a neutral space by virtue of his lordship. Because that is stupid. Like, there is no precedent. That is rooted in liberalism. That is not rooted in scripture. Yeah, and it is. Like, there's nothing. There's no no tradition anywhere that, that follows that. Oh, a divinely that? a divinely ordained neutral space that's chapter what, that's verse what, can i get yeah. a chapter verse dude yeah what? let's do some biblicism please oh my goodness i believe in democracy not a dictatorship i believe Brave. in speech you need a chapter and verse on democracy too please <laughs> oh i i have one actually uh when the when the <laughs> Jewish child wants christ to get killed there is your democracy right there's there. democracy in the bible right there whether totally pagan or Christian speech codes. I believe in the Constitution, much as its authority has definitely been weakened and maligned. I believe in the Constitution. If Peter could tell the church to honor the emperor despite all that Nero had wickedly done, I don't think we are beyond the bounds of our own republic, our own established authority. It was written before Nero did all those things. Not a mono-ethnic one. And I believe in a multi-ethnic church as God builds it, not as we build it, not as the diversity experts say to build it in the DEI industry. Did you notice the the really quick sleight of hand from uh, multi-ethnic state to multi-ethnic church? You, yeah, did, as did you like catch that? Civil, and you know what's really interesting <laughs> is that so he will say that Christ, <laughs> like, um, he'll say that you can have like blasphemy laws or whatever within the realm of the church. So if you do blasphemy, there can be church discipline, but not yeah. in the civic sphere because Christ created a neutral space by virtue of his lordship. Yeah, but yeah. this the ecclesiastical sphere being multi ethnic does necessitate the civil sphere also yeah. being multi ethnic. Yeah, so this is totally we can't have neutrality on that. 
you know, <laughs> yeah, he's being very selective in what he and how the civil and the ecclesiastical sphere relate to each other. So for him, because he because the church is multi-ethnic, the nation is also could be multi-ethnic. The church can yeah. have blasphemy laws, but the nation can't have blasphemy laws because Christ, by virtue of his lordship, established some neutral space. Chapter verse, I don't know. Some somehow, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's keep going. As God built it. Third, third truth. The Bible explodes the idea that inter-ethnic marriage is less than ideal. Kinism tells us to preserve your ethnicity. The major way you do this is through your marriage to your own kind, your kin. That's really where the entire term comes from. But we find in scripture, no call to this kind of action. You find, by contrast, the opposite of kinism with regard to marriage itself throughout the entire Bible. Numbers 12, when Moses marries a Cushite woman, a woman who was from present-day Ethiopia, probably of different skin colors we can infer, we read this in Numbers 12.1 in the Old Testament. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. The Lord then says this in verse 8, Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. Verse 10, When the cloud removed from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous like snow. And Aaron turned toward Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. What is the point of this passage? The point of this passage is that speaking against Moses' inter-ethnic marriage was cursed by God. God curses the one who speaks against it. What would you say to those today who speak against inter-ethnic marriage? What does the Bible say to them in light of this example? In Ruth 4, Boaz marries Ruth, a Moabite. That is an inter-ethnic marriage. In Matthew 1, 4 and 5, we learn about Salmon and Rahab. Rahab was a Canaanite. All four of these people are explicitly named in Matthew 1, 5, in fact. And Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse. And on it goes. What I am telling you is that inter-ethnic marriage is embedded in the line of Jesus. It's in the messianic line, friends. It's front and center. He pause. Because God wants you to see it. it. Isn't it interesting, though, how... It's not as if like when um Ruth gets married, all of a sudden, like the rest of the people that get married are also Moabites. Notice yeah. how yeah. the rest of the people are Israelites. Notice how there's that principle of assimilation. So it, this yeah, it's is weird, not like huh? a coherent argument. It's not as if they're arguing for mass, mass inter-ethnic collective marriage where no. everybody, we no. make a big, beautiful glob of humanity. No, no, no. it's like one particular like group marries into another and becomes incorporated she literally gives up her yeah. gods because ethnicity is actually connected to religion that's why there's wasp anglo-protestant um yeah. so she, ruth abandons her gods and follows the follows the lord she follows the lord because she's realizing yeah. now she's like while i may not be a physical descendant from abraham I am becoming an Israel. I'm marrying She's into this of the faith of Abraham. My yeah, children. My children are going to marry Israelites. Their children are going to marry Israelites. Their like so. This this argument's a little bit like it. It's a little silly. Yeah, I see this. I can't. I can't. It's got a naughty word in it. But there's a comment like, uh, "What about when's he going to bring up Ezra?" <laughs> the, yeah, the, marriages the guy said Ezra loses his uh, shiitake mushrooms over foreign marriages. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, like, what are you going to bring that up? Like, and that's the other thing, too. It's like the, the norm, is, is, if we want to talk about Jesus's line, right, um, in the Gospels, the norm is that they're all Jews, right? The outlier yeah. is that they're other people. And and that's that's just, that's the way the world works. That's that's how God built the world, is that people typically, you know, marry among their own people, right? Not that it's yeah. bad that they, they don't, or you take a foreign even- life. And even when there is like an intermarriage of a sort, it's understood that that person is is subsuming themselves yeah. into the host ethne. They're saying yeah. how, like, in the same way that Ruth abandoned her gods to follow the Lord, 
it's likewise assumed that when that happens, you are you're subsuming yourself into yeah. that person's particular culture and people, and that your children are going to be like for yeah. like you know. So I, again, like if we want to take a you know a spicy uh, biblical example. Um, sorry to cut you off there, Matthew. If oh, you're good, man. A spicy biblical example. Like look at the principle of the war bride. Right. What do you do? You, you shave her head and you, you trim her nails. And, and, and the reason you do that is because she's being cut off from, from her people and the, the, um, her foreign culture and her foreign gods. And she's becoming, she's becoming an Israelite, you know, by force. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and it's like, um, what, uh, you know, what's going on there? It's, it's that, she, you know, you have this principle of assimilation, right? You're being incorporated yeah. into a people. Yeah. Right. And all of these these examples, you know, Rahab and and um, and uh, Ruth and, you know, what else? There's um, uh, uh, the children that Judah had with uh, Tamar. Tamar is a Canaanite like they are. They're being incorporated into the people of Israel, but there's they still remain the people of Israel. See, right? That's... Owen's problem, though, is that Owen, when he thinks about ethnicity, he can only think in strictly racialist terms basically so yeah. he can't conceptualize that somebody can be grafted into an, an ethne over intergenerational like period of time yeah. and all that yeah. so for him it's like any example of that in scripture is like take that kinist and yeah. it's like no that's not how we, <laughs> yeah. that's not how we, we think we don't like measure ethnicity like by like we're not sola bloodline when it comes to ethnicity there's so many other factors at play and like of course blood is important to a degree like that, that obviously impacts things but it, it's not everything yeah. and to act like we think it's everything is is dishonest yeah, yeah and the, the, another good example you know like like solomon marries you know hundreds of foreign women and he worships their gods you know <laughs> it's like oh, well you yeah. know like there, there's a counter example to Owen. So, like yeah I mean, two can two can play his game and i have a feeling that yeah. we outnumber him a lot more yeah, yeah. Uh, so, in this there's regard. a lot more scripture that like complicates uh the argument that he's making um, yeah and God wants you to know that it is an honorable thing. It is a good thing. It is not a moral duty to marry across your ethnicity or something like this. You have freedom here. We have glorious freedom. Christians have so much trouble with freedom. It's often when we have freedom that things go off the rails, isn't it? And we start making new, oh boy, we've got some freedom. The kids are going to go wild around here. If, oh, we're preaching about God's love. we got to lock this down. Give me some laws. Everybody, just let's whiteboard this. Somebody get whiteboard. Give me some good laws that we can put on paper to add to the Bible because so we've got some freedom funny. and we're freaking out and we've got to handle this because if we don't, this whole thing's going to blow. In 10, 9, 8, 7. The whole thing, friends, this whole affair needs to make us stop, slow down, and say, it is good and right to pursue holiness according to the word of God. But are we now seeking to bind men by our own new laws? And I would argue the answer is, tragically, something common to us all in our sin. Yes. Our fourth truth. Yes, this, you are. Jesus reframes our understanding of family. <laughs> I read the passage earlier, Matthew 12, 46 to 50. Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Matthew 12, 50. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. The son of God honored his mother. He even pointed her out and assigned care for her from the cross as he died. That's a significant family tie, isn't it? Son of God did not disdain Mary. He loved Mary. Mary, in fact, was saved by her son, wasn't she? She was in no way sinless. She needed a savior, as she herself recognized. Jesus then did not destroy family, the natural family. The New Testament does not destroy the natural family, but the New Testament mm -hmm. does reprioritize family. It teaches us that we love our natural family as much as we can, but we are foremost citizens of the spiritual family of Christ. A family that, as I will preach, God willing, tomorrow morning has one father, the heavenly Wow, it's almost like grace restores nature. Yeah, you can know? I um, wow. I want to that like quote that he quoted from from uh, Matthew twelve. I would love yeah. to read Calvin's commentary on it real quick. It's just a short little yeah. paragraph. Um, Calvin says, although these words like that being um, for whosoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, <clears throat> uh, the same as my brother and sister and mother. Calvin says. <clears throat> 
Although these words seem to imply that Christ has no regard to the ties of blood, yet we know that in reality, he paid the strictest attention to human order and discharged his lawful duties towards relatives, but points out that in comparison of spiritual relationship, no regard or very little is due to the relationship of the flesh. Let us therefore attend to this comparison so as to perform all that nature can justly claim, and at the same time, not be, not to be too strongly attached to flesh and blood. Again, as Christ bestows on the disciples of his gospel, the inestimable honor being reckoned as his brethren, we must be held guilty of the basis and gratitude if we do not disregard all the desires of the flesh and, di and direct every effort towards this object. So, I mean, Calvin makes it pretty clear, as the scripture elucidates to us, is that when Christ is saying that he's not like, totally altering your, our natural relations. He's saying that in regard to eternal things, in regard to what really matters, he, he's speaking in a different sense. He's not speaking in terms of natural relations. He's using natural relations analogically to contrast it with the, our spiritual relations that, that ultimately do like, okay, like, you know, we don't deny scripture. They ultimately do matter more in an eternal sense. So yeah. that that's more so what Christ is doing there, and and again, but Owen is trying to use that to say that this basically totally alters natural relations, which it, I, I would argue that it it does not do that. Yeah, yeah. This this comment here, you know, from uh, Aaron Cyber is uh, it, exactly right. You know, the people that and, and as soon as he starts going with this verse, it's like he's doing the same thing that Libs do with Galatians three twenty eight. Right. Oh, yeah. It's just ripping apart the bonds of family and, and filling in something else. And so, yeah, that's it. It's, it's so obnoxious. And so let's continue. We're almost done. We've almost We're made almost it all the way there, through. Yeah. Our true family then, whatever our natural family looks like is the family of God. Does the gospel alter our loves? Does it alter our relationships? It absolutely does. If it does not for you, I do not say this in anger or heat. I fear you do not know the gospel. Let's continue the point. Because fifth, the gospel transforms our conception of identity. Transforms it. The Bible never teaches us to hate our ethnicity. The Bible does not teach us that our background in providential terms, we got it all wrong. It does teach us, though, that there is a unifying force that is far, far greater than our ethnicity, skin color, skin color and cultural heritage. And that force is the gospel of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. A few of us, some of us were saying this, some of you have said this in conversations with folks hold toward wokeness, haven't you? We don't regard anyone according to the flesh in terms of white people being hated in this country, as they definitely are by some. They're targeted. That's wicked. That's evil. That's wrong. That should be decried. That should be ended. That, should, that is no place in the church. But now it goes the opposite way, doesn't it? We regard no one according to the flesh in terms of thinking that our natural ethnicity is itself to be preserved above all else. We don't regard anyone according, ultimately, in the church to their skin color or background or ethnicity. Why? Because we are a gospel people in Christ. Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no male and female for you are all there it is. one in Christ Jesus. Satan there it is. hates this. I repeat, he hates gospel unity. There it is. Galatians 3.28. We knew it would be, we knew it would make an appearance. Um, and it's like, come on, man. Like, what are you, he's, he's trying to set the, the natural order that God has made against, um, you know, the, the loves that, that come with the gospel, right? He, they're not in conflict. Yeah. They're not in conflict no. with there at all. And, yeah. and, and there's not, I mean, yes, there's unity, right? Um, there's unity, and I, it's interesting. I we like the the Palestinian Christians who are being bombed and killed right now. Does he feel unity with them? Well, not not as much as he does with the Israelis, you know, who don't even believe in Jesus. Serious. You know, it's yeah. like uh, that. Yeah. It's weird that the bonds of gospel unity like stop there. Um, like just as an example, 
Uh, but yeah, <laughs> someone commented about the two times. We got to do two times speed because man, he, he talks so he, slow he does talk all the time. And so, yeah, sorry about the two times speed, but that's, it's the only it's way we're going to make funny it for all the people that watch this later when it's not live streamed. And, um, they're going to be listening on two times speed to us. And then they're going to hear Owen. <laughs> That'll be yeah. Yeah. That, that will be, uh, sorry. Whatever. They can deal with it. The, yeah. Yeah. That's the way it is. I mean, it still will be pretty slow. He hates the gospel <laughs> that unites across all divides in the natural world, but God loves a people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people group on earth. This leads us to see six that we are no longer alienated from other ethnicities. There is no hostility between you and anyone else in terms of background in Christ. It does not exist. It has been canceled. Ephesians 2, 15. In his flesh, Jesus has broken down the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace between Jew and Gentile and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. This and this alone is where inter-ethnic strife ceases. It is the church. It, it aligns elegantly with what James Coates was talking about some hours ago, that the church is where God displays his wisdom. That is exactly what James read from Ephesians 3.10. And that's what is in my message as well, because this is so vital. It's in the church that God's wisdom is displayed, not out in the culture. Don't expect the world to display the wisdom of God. Paul has told us that it is through the church that God's wisdom is made known. This is according to God's eternal purpose. This is all in the Greek, a single term that sums up the effect of the gospel, mysterion. It's the mysterion. It's defined in Ephesians 3.6. The mystery, Paul writes, is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The mystery of the gospel is that Jew and Gentile do not prefer their own. Jew and Gentile do not associate with their own kind, first and foremost. Jew and Gentile don't even see their identity as their identity any longer in a very strong way. That's all superseded. That's all altered. That's all transformed by the gospel what? of grace. The it's didn't, didn't he re reference Paul earlier? Um, preferring. You know, he did. Walking, uh, yeah. Yeah. Didn't he, didn't he reference Paul saying, yes, oh, been according to the flesh? Like, and now he's saying, no, they don't have an identity. It's like, Paul well, literally said which, that he would experience hell for his, his largely reprobate kinsmen. And yeah, I don't and understand it, this guy. And, and it's so like, I mean, so there is some, you know, there, there is some uh, affection that still exists. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Now do no male, male or female. Like, <laughs> like, could, like yeah, you, 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 you agree. Now do male exact female. Same, this exact same sermon can be preached on the topic of gender by some like blue haired. Yeah. ELCA, ELCA you know, 400 pound. Pastrix. You know, and yeah. parentheses, of course. Yeah, but the same thing yeah. can be said. Like that's, it's yeah it's just it's it's just poppycock uh blood of jesus christ has made us one babel has been pentecosted babel has been crucified and now in christ the wisdom of god is displayed that people do not harbor native partiality against one another can you pause really quick god love hey owen when you uh when you do mission trips and you go to span and you go like a spanish-speaking countries and you speak english they understand you <laughs> oh you need a translator why i yeah. thought pentecost happened i thought yeah. babel has been pentecosted it's almost as if after the effects of grace grace does not give you um the ability to speak thousands of different languages and communicate with any other christian it's almost as if the there are certain distinctive features that remain intact in this life that grace does not overturn Yet there's no longer a dividing line in the ecclesiastical sense in that we're still one in Christ. But again, I ask, Owen, when you go to a Spanish-speaking country, when you speak English, do they understand you? No. You yeah. need a translator. Yeah. So 
don't know. I always get annoyed at that. Like, because, you know, it's a cool concept of Babel being Pentecostal. It's like a cool idea. But then you realize that, oh, but we still speak different languages, even in the church. So maybe that's not totally. And in in, in Revelation, in heaven, like you have distinct tribes and tongues and and peoples and nations, right? Are they tribes and tongues? Tongues. And tongues. Yeah. Oh, it's just interesting. We never focus on that at all. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're speaking different languages, but they're all praising God together. That's interesting. Ooh, yeah. Wow. Very curious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wish, yeah, I wish we could have Owen on, on four times speed, uh, but <laughs> only two times speed. Loves diversity understood rightly. God loves his inter-ethnic church. God loves uniting people who have absolutely nothing in common outside of Jesus. These are not fourth level matters. These are gospel matters. Anyone who does not stand for these truths, I fear, either is in open sin against the gospel. That has it's, it's interesting. He says God loves diversity. Um, and I don't want to be like social Trinitarian or anything here, especially you know, bringing up the Trinity with Owen. But, um, but uh, like, yes, God is unity and diversity in one. Like this is the, the, yeah. the, the ancient uh, concept that is overcome in Trinitarian theology is that you have both unity and diversity in the Godhead. Uh, <laughs> and so yeah. God also loves unity uh, and diversity. Uh, so let's square that circle. Them yeah. The reality, we all stumble in many ways, James 3, 2, and therefore they need to repent or they do not know the true gospel, but think they do. And if they do, let them hear the gospel afresh and let kinism die. Seventh and finally, all who are in Christ are now a holy nation. We're now a holy nation. We've heard this already. It was in Jeff Moore's talk, so we really are on similar streams here. But First Peter 2, 9 tells us that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are not trying to build a Christian nation. We are a Christian nation in Christ. It is not. Hold up. What? <laughs> <laughs> we are a holy nation in Christ. Us as a church are a holy nation. Therefore, the yeah. civ- the civil polity does not need to be Christian. Yeah, holy yeah. Nikes. Yeah, that is uh, that's quite a statement. And he just like he just breathes right by it. Like, oh, we're a holy nation, so we don't even have a Christian nation. Moving that's on. That's like uh, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, no, it totally is. But they they just throw that out there. Like, oh, we are a holy nation, so we have to worry about you know, the civil magistrate and how he rules. You know, we, we don't have to worry about the, the government that we're under and how they operate. You My know, no, we already, we already have a Christian nation, the church. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. The kind, I, I agree with fellow speakers of, of different kinds thus far. It is not the case that this really feels triumphant here and now. It is not the case that this holy nation is necessarily going to win a whole lot of elections. It is not the case that this holy nation looks and feels strong. You and I, in many cases, look and feel weak. <laughs> Seems like <laughs> just have to just have to stop. Uh, <laughs> just have to stop. <laughs> we look and feel weak. Well, that's Stephen Stephen funny. Wolf has a solution for that. <laughs> it's called Golden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then he tries to say it, and all of a sudden, everyone's up in arms about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> small, but God loves small things. God loves the weak. God blesses the tiny. God chooses the few. God does his own work according to his own calculations. He and he does not society. need assistance from us. We do not need and we should not want a Christian prince. Christ is our king. What? <laughs> we should not want a Christian prince or magistrate because Christ is king. Christ Holy is king. Jesus. Sure. We, should, we should instead want a pagan king. We should want uh, a godless king. Um, I want Bernie I, Sanders I, I, because even though Bernie Sanders is an atheistic Jew... At least, Christ is king. Yeah, Christ is king. 
Right. We, uh, we should, we should be okay with Joseph Stalin because Christ is King, right? We shouldn't want a Christian prince to, to eradicate uh, such wicked people. Uh, no, 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 no. Christ is King. But like, uh, <laughs> I guarantee you that Owen, like when it, outside of this context, I guarantee you that when he's like talking to like somebody about like what he sees in a presidential candidate that you vote for, he goes, number one is that they're Christian. Number well, two, Ron DeSantis is a good solid Christian. Reaganomics. Yeah. yeah. And number three, they're pro-life. <laughs> Those are like his three qualifications. Yeah. Christian, Reaganomics, pro-life. I bet you that's what he says. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But in this absolutely. Context, no. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. God is gathering in his people. Christ is building his church. The spirit is uniting beautifully people who have nothing in common but Jesus. Do not shift from the hope of the gospel, brothers and sisters. Colossians 1.23, remain stable and steadfast now. Satan wants you off kilter, paranoid, tense, angry, divisive, roiled up, fighting at all times, at all hours, in perpetual political theology cage stage. You remember Calvinism cage stage? Some of you may be in it now. It's okay, you're going to make it through. We're in political theology cage <laughs> <laughs> my case stage we want to fight all the time like no like there's plenty of stuff i want to talk about besides this you know you're the people that are attacking us all the time yeah <laughs> like i'm not I, I i didn't even know who he was like two years ago <laughs> g3 has been so well the thing is with g3 they've been so antagonistic against wolf and christian nationalism since April, they kind of got to the ball late because a lot of yeah. this was going down a lot last year, especially when Wolf's book came out, especially when like yeah. the whole Acor Docs thing happened. So oh, yeah. that's when all the drama was really go down. It was crickets from G3. Then yeah. out of nowhere, they all just like stepped out. And I okay, I've tweeted this like two times. The liberals make better arguments against Christian nationalism than G3 does. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Like, because they at least have like certain like they at least like I can kind of understand where they're like coming from with this. With G three, it's like always like Jesus jukes though. It's very yeah. much like it's not practical at all politically. It's stuff that tickles the ears. It sounds yeah. good to your your Christian boomer who goes to the SBC Baptist Church. He still happens to believe in Calvinist soteriology and love John MacArthur. It tickles his ear, but it doesn't provide anything of substance. Yeah. Yeah, you have to be able to lift 100 pounds in this job. Applicant, Christ is my strength. That's <laughs> that's, that's so how they true. approach. That's how so they approach true. everything. It's it's nothing but like just piet, pietist gobbledygook all the way down. It's, and it's like you know, so I'm I'm starving. I I need food. Uh, man shall not live by bread alone, yes. by every word that comes from the mouth of God. <laughs> yeah, like literally, that's all they that's all they do is just is is constantly this bait and switch. Right. Uh, they can't address anything seriously. It's always, always these platitudes, right? That's all they have. And it, it, it it's so pathetic. And once, I mean, it, the thing is it captures a lot of people, like people, you know, glom onto it. Cause it's like, Oh, this sounds good and holy and, and righteous. Yeah. And, and, but once you see it, it's like, they got yeah. nothing. There's nothing there. There it, is no like, there to there. Degree, to a degree, like with like a, you know, when Jesus does say like the, you know, man shall not live by bread alone, he is being offered actual bread. So there is like something yeah. there in that regard. But the it, difference in, is, is in like, scripture, yeah, yeah. But in regard to like, that's like more so you apply that towards like personal, like personal temptation and struggle on like, yeah, again, a personal scale. But on like in regard to civil polity, you can't just. That you can't just say no. the people are like, say that there's like a Christian nationalist who's also so happens to be like a literalist biblicist. He's just like, 
my Christian nation doesn't need food during this famine because they're all Christian. They have the word of God. Men yeah. shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You know, just like imagine that. That does not work on a civil collective level. And, and like clearly he understands, like he's like when he, when he talks about immigration, like immigration is a prudential issue. And it's like, yeah, all these things are prudential issues that he's, we're talking about. He's <laughs> getting it, but he's dedicated to this crusade. So he can't yeah. like, he can't fully get it. No. Anyways, yeah. we're so close to being done. Yeah, man. we have one. We have uh, well, thirty seconds left. Uh, wow. Cage stage right that. now. We need some. Some of us. We need to come out of it, and we need to hear this as well. We must reject kinism. This is a line in the sand. Kinism has no sure. biblical backing. If you do hold to CN, reject kinism. The interethnic church is glorious. We must honor. Okay, Stephen Wolf does God. reject kinism. <laughs> Our presentation yeah. of the gospel is <laughs> Guess at stake. what? These are serious times and serious days. God will do the work. Take heart in that. Jesus loves. Church. Andrew, I need to tell you something. I need to tell the audience something. I, Matthew Pearson, full, and I'm not lying when I say this. I'm, I promise you, no fingers are crossed. I reject kinism. Okay, good. Okay, yeah. we're done. That, we're done. <laughs> that, and I still hold everything I held before. Because, yeah, yeah. No change. No change in, in anything you happened. believe. Yeah. Nothing yeah. changed. That's the thing. Like, it doesn't matter how often Steven says this, right? I mean, and he says it all the time in, in so many different contexts and interviews and, and on his you know YouTube channel and things like that. Like, he, he doesn't believe that. He doesn't believe anything that Owen is accusing him of believing. But they still continue to peddle this line because it, it apparently gets some play. Right. And it's, yeah. it's just, it's so pathetic. I mean, all of this is, I mean, I'm glad I didn't watch it before. Cause I didn't think I could watch this twice. I don't know how you did it. Uh, Matthew, uh, it, it is, it's so bad and it's so, it, it really, I have, I have to retract something like he is disingenuous. Like there's no way around that. <laughs> like he is, it, it, it's just the way it is. I mean, yeah. he, he knows what he's doing and I mean, yeah, I, I think he maybe doesn't quite like grasp um, the arguments that Stephen is making in his book. I mean, enough to like mine it for different quotes that sound scary. Um, but he's he's not grasping the argument in the context that they're made at all. And and it's it's just so it's really the thing that's sad is that you know people listen to this and they like agree with it and they want to go on this crusade with him and and you're tilting at windmills. Like there, you're not, you're not fighting against anybody, you know, who actually believes the things that you're, you're saying. And, yeah. and all, what you functionally are doing is just slandering a whole swath of people. Um, I mean, even, even like he, you know, he shares the, you know, the, uh, the Torba uh, tweet and like, and this is the big scary tweet and everything. And he's trying to like lump everybody into this. And it's like, they're, the idea that what people reacted to with that with to Owen, this is when like Owen had followed me on Twitter and then blocked me when I like defended uh, Torba. And, um, and it's like the thing people are reacting to is like, we live in a country that is overwhelmingly filled with, with anti-white race hate, like all the, mm -hmm. all the, all the stuff now that like, the universities are starting to punish um, over like Hamas and, and support for the Palestinians and things like that. Um, like that language, they didn't care about, nobody cared about when they said literally the same stuff and way worse stuff about like eradicating whiteness 
uh, during the mostly peaceful summer of George. Like, nobody cared about that at all because that's just you know par for the course. That yeah. of course we we hate white people. We want to eradicate whiteness. That's good and just and holy. Like nobody like Owen wasn't standing on a table saying no. This must stop. This sinful partiality and, and race hate needs to stop. And and that's that's just in, endemic in everything is white people are bad and evil and we need to we need to you know abolish whiteness and and it's like so within that environment people are reacting to that right so when he's criticizing you know Torba saying no there's nothing wrong with you know wanting to preserve your ethnicity um <laughs> like um and people are like why do you, why are you attacking over that um it, it's okay to be it's okay to be white and it's okay for you to want white people to continue. Uh, is that, is that so evil? Um, and, and like, that's, that's where he's coming from and where people reacting to it are coming from is we we're hit with this constantly day after day after day, all the time from big Eva, from everywhere else, that there's something wrong with white people, that white people are, are just by their, their existence evil. And so you hear that all day and you want to say like, you're, you're like saying the same thing functionally. Right. That's, that's what you're doing. And he, he, he denies it in the, you know, in the talk, right. He denies it and says, no, there's nothing wrong with this, with any ethnicity at all inherent to them and all of that. But like our entire culture doesn't think that, right. Our, our entire culture doesn't think that at all. And, and so here you do this big, huge talk about like kinism and how it's some big, massive threat to the church and things that like almost nobody believes. And that's the big threat, not the fact that like, what was the, the fortune 100 thing where like 90% of new hires oh, are, yeah, are non-white. Like you can't get a job in corporate America as a white person. And like, I mean, think of that. Like, just, just, just think of that for a second. Like that's the majority of the population of the country. And they're saying, Nope, no jobs for you. We can't hire any of you people. And that doesn't even like tick on his radar at all. He, yeah, he didn't care about that one bit. I mean, partly because he's a very cushy, comfy sinecure and he doesn't have to worry about ever having a corporate job. But for like real people, that's something real people care about is I'm never going to be able to get a job or I'm never going to be able to move up the corporate ladder because of, of diversity quotas and, and wokeness and all of these things and mm -hmm. anti-white race hate. And hey, you know, Stephen Wolf's making a pretty good argument um, that makes a lot of sense and, and, and seems... Uh, rooted in the Christian tradition. And that's why, right. Then he opens the talk with that. Like tons of people are coming to this because they, they have something to fight with and we don't have anything and they don't have anything. It's, Oh, let's just go back to the 1990s when things were good. Right. That's their only argument. And it's, it is, it's going to continue this way. I mean, I think they are um, like overall going to continue to lose their audience, especially the younger segment of their audience that yeah. isn't like, um, that isn't married to, you know, boomer, uh, post-war consensus ideas. And, and, and that, that's what it is. It's like somebody, um, a few ticks to their right has come along and they are scrambling, like they're terrified of it. And, and it isn't just like somebody who's a few ticks to the right and just makes really nonsensical arguments, um, like they do. It's somebody that has a whole lot of weight to what they're saying, right? That there is, like what Steven did is something very substantial and, and meaningful. And, and there's a, a deep foundation to what he is saying that people can build upon, right? There's a, a deep, long tradition that he's pointing to saying, Hey, the answer is right here. And it's been here all along. And, and 
come join. This is this is where we need to be. And they don't have anything like that at all. And so, and so I mean, and one thing is just comical because they're just scrambling. They're just tap dancing, trying to, no, don't look over there and see what those guys are saying. They're evil and bad. And uh, don't even don't even give them the time of day. I mean, this is um, this is what people like this do when they don't have an argument. Yeah, so. and ultimately, and like this is kind of going back to what you're saying initially. But like, I think another big problem is just that he just misrepresents so <laughs> bad. We still need to block on Twitter, Chris. It's so true. <laughs> What's really bad is just that he forgets at the end of the day that this is an argument for Christian nationalism. That means that Christians yeah. are making these arguments who are supposedly your brother and sisters in Christ. So mm-hmm. in that, like the way that should, tr- that should change the way that you handle them. Cause you see a lot of the G3, G3 crowd on Twitter, like whining and complaining because like some guy yeah. made a meme, you know, and they're just like, we're Christians. Why are you doing that? But, yeah. but it's okay for them to totally slander us, to, yeah. to call us like, to say vile, false things about us, yeah. to make, make crap up about us. But, you know, if you, la- if you say something about them and you laugh a little bit, all of a sudden, oh, that's so unchristlike and all that. Yeah. It's just like what you're doing is so much worse. What Owen did is yeah. that single-handedly was worse than like a thousand like Owen Strand memes. Like the, even the most vile Owen Strand memes you could think of. Like just think of something like, you know, I've seen some pretty – some interesting ones. You know, none of that compares. So yeah, I just yeah. wish that people would – I wish that they would just be – Char- more charitable and how they interpret which they would be more open and just treat us <clears throat> as co-laborers in christ treat us as people mm-hmm. that belong to the same the same church to the same body uh, the body of christ uh, but they, they can't they can't do that mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's very sad uh it's very well, saddening and discouraging at the end of the day but the conversation does need to be had and i'm glad that we could uh yeah. we could react to yeah. everything owen was saying Ab- absolutely so yeah i think we're we're wrapping up here we've been on for an hour and 45 minutes this is the longest yeah. one we've ever had um but which is okay you know cj's always like i gotta go and and do things uh all the time and uh he yeah you you gave me much more time than cj does so that's that's uh yeah. thank you for that what uh where can people find stuff that I mean, other than other than um, the the Twitter, um, where uh, where where can they find stuff that you're doing and writing and, and things like that? Uh, well, I'm not writing anything currently, but I may be trying to. I, I've been <laughs> meaning to get around to writing a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm on a I'm on a podcast. It's called the Arenic Protestant Podcast, where we uh, we do. Um, just different, uh, mainly stuff with, uh, involving the Protestant theological tradition, it, like the the magisterial Protestant. Yeah. So right now we're going through the different uh, denominations of magisterial Protestantism and just different videos, uh, different episodes there. So you can uh, find me there at the Arenic Protestants. Uh, and it's on, on YouTube? Or, okay. Yeah, YouTube, uh, po- Apple Podcasts, Spotify. So you can find me there. Um, but yeah, other than that, I'm just, I'm on, I'm on Twitter, just tweeting away. Uh, Sweet. Yeah, sweet. Well, uh, hopefully CJ is done having fun at Wine Bar or wherever he yeah. is. Uh, but uh, uh, thanks for filling in for him and um, yeah, everyone out there. Me. You know, thank you guys for uh, joining us and and for listening to us here today, watching us. Um, 
And we will be back uh, next week uh, talking about uh, all the things we always talk about. And, and, you know, nothing ever happens. So I don't expect anything to happen in the next week, despite, you know, actual consequential things happening uh, now. But uh, <laughs> but thank you guys all for for watching. Uh, I'll give the, you know, please like and subscribe spiel here and uh, go ahead and do that. Um, but, yeah, we'll we'll be back next week. Until then, stay dangerous and we will see you next time. Thank you.